Hello there. Welcome to Oh No, Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on French science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. When they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm your co-host, Carrie Poppy. And I'm your co-host, Ross Blotcher, coming to you from the Center for Inquiry, Los Angeles. And you're listening to the first two-part episode of Ono, Ross, and Carrie, in which we meet up with everyone's favorite door-to-door salesman, the Mormons. Which means that our clue prize goes to listener Mira Markham from South Hadley, Massachusetts. Congratulations, Mira. You will receive something cheap and useless in your mailbox. Yay! <laughs> so, Carrie, what brought us to the Mormons? Well, I really wanted to to go meet the Mormons since we started our podcast. Usually they come to you. It's, it's <laughs> we, true. We seek them out. I actually don't think I've ever had Mormons show up at my door. I've had Jehovah's Witness. But I had always wanted to go. I, I've had a lot of friends who are Mormon and ex-Mormon. I've always been really intrigued by by that faith. I mean... It's it's one of those faiths that has a lot of doctrines that would be considered kooky by most people and yes. yet is is so widespread right. and is so young. You know, there are all these old faiths that maybe you would think their doctrines are kooky, but they're kind of shrouded in that, well, it's really old. We right. don't know exactly what happened. <laughs> the veil of time, right. I always call it. Yeah, right. And then this is uh, a faith that's like pretty new and has some strong claims that need some, a lot of backing. And that's an important point because there's no contemporary accounts of Abraham or Moses or these guys saying, oh, yeah, he was actually just this crazy guy. Right. You just kind of take them, you know, at their word. Right, exactly. And we have more recent uh, examples like Joseph Smith, Mm -hmm. L. Ron Hubbard. Right, and we we know a lot about them. We we know what their history is outside of the faiths that they founded. And generally, if you don't believe what they're saying, it's more easy to write them off as being kooks because they're not hidden by that. Yeah, the veil of time. Exactly. Yeah. I have Mormon relatives. Okay. And so uh, I'd been familiar with Mormonism from an early age because I would hang out with my cousin. And I remember, like, he didn't know anything about the Bible. And I was this little mm. Bible literalist. I knew everything. And I remember once we had this conversation at my grandparents' house, and he didn't know who Adam and Eve were. Whoa. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, they don't teach them anything yeah. at these Mormon churches. That's how they hoodwink them. <laughs> but um, now I think uh, I was wrong about that. It was just him. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, our theme music composer is an ex-Mormon. Yes. Uh, Brian Dalton. Friend of um, ours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he's an ex-Mormon and talks openly about it. So, yeah, we have a few people close to us who are Mormons or ex-Mormons. And I have a few people, a few other friends who grew up in the church and aren't active anymore. So how did you approach the Mormons? Well, first I went to the Goodwill. I'm a big fan of the Goodwills, Ross. Yes. Yes. I found uh, the Book of Mormon there. And, of course, I had had a copy growing up, as everyone does, because they're so Mm -hmm. readily available for Mm -hmm. free. But I hadn't looked at it in a while and saw it there. It was a dollar. And I thought, I'm going to look at the Book of Mormon. And I bought it and I brought it home. You know, it's about as difficult to read as the Old Testament of the Bible, just like a lot of intentionally old speaky language. Yeah, it seems uh, very much intended to mirror the sound of the King James Version of the Bible. Right. Difficult to read. Um, (laughs) And uh, so I was reading that for a little while, and then I thought, you know, I'm going to check out the website for the LDS Church, the Latter-day Saint Church. It's quite fancy, quite advanced. 
Yeah. Found that they had like a chat client where you could talk to missionaries on their website. Ooh. Yeah. And I thought, I want to do that. If then, you're ever lonely, people, <laughs> there's a Mormon waiting yeah, to talk to you. It's true. I went and logged on to the chat clients and got this really nice girl uh, who was out of BYU who was answering questions. That's and Brigham Young University. That's right. A lot most, of Mormons go most there. Most popular Mormon school in the U.S. I told her this story, how I had gone to the Goodwill and I had found the Book of Mormon. And she was really sweet. Right away, she was like, oh, the Holy Spirit brought you here. The Holy Spirit <laughs> put that book in the Goodwill. You know, wanted you to be here. Um, yes. It's a shame you had to pay a dollar for it because it's free. <laughs> she asked me right off the bat if I had any questions for her. And I thought... Does Carrie ever have any questions? <laughs> and I did. I did, Ross. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Most of my questions were, I thought... Well, I'll get out of the way all the bad stuff I've heard about the Mormon church because there's some some stuff that's sort of unsavory. Yeah, why well, start with softballs? Right. Let's see if they're myths because maybe she'll be able to disassemble them. So I said, well, let's see. I guess one of the things that I'm really aware of when I think of the Mormon church is their involvement in Proposition 8, a proposition on the ballot here in California in 2008 that denied same-sex couples the right to marry. I knew that the Mormon church had played a big role in that, but I wasn't sure to what extent. So I asked her about that and about their stance on homosexuality in general. Her response was more or less, um, yes, the church frowns on that whole sort of thing. Right. She had brought up during this conversation about homosexuality, gender roles and how important gender roles are. So I said, well, what about intersex people, people who are born neither male nor female? And she said, what? <laughs> and I said... What are you talking about? Uh, I said, well, some people are born with both male and female genitalia. Some are born with male genitalia, but like, you know, the hint of female genitalia and vice versa. You know, there's there's this whole spectrum, as you'd expect with chromosomal activity. You're supplementing her BYU education. <laughs> right. Um, and she was flabbergasted. She had never heard of this. And I was like, have you, you've heard the word hermaphrodite, right? Um, which is not the term they would use now, but I thought she would have heard it. She hadn't. Right. So anyway, she was just blown away by this. And she's like, I don't know. I don't even know what to tell you. And I said, well, you know, one in a thousand people are born intersex. Hmm. So it's a lot of people. Yeah. She's like, that's impossible. That, that would be like over a million people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that really um, stumped her. And eventually she said, well, you know, I have to go. <laughs> but I think that you should meet up with some missionaries in your area because I think that you have a lot of really good questions and they would have answers for you. Yeah, which um, is nice. She didn't turn you away. Right, right. I, I talked to the person in charge of sending out the Mormons in my area and I said, we want to go. We want to meet you guys. And they contacted you? They did. So we set up our meeting to talk to them. Um, and I actually had a pretty good starter knowledge of the Mormons, and I think you did too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there are some things that, that our listeners probably already know, like it was founded by Joseph Smith in the 1820s. Right. A lot of people know a lot about Mormonism just from watching the South Park episode. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen that, that's required watching. Go <laughs> and, see it. And uh, as we record this, the Book of Mormon just won Best Musical at the Tony Awards, so that kind of brought... It's this pretty funny, people. Yeah, and those are both from the creators of South Park. Right. Actually, there's another film, Orgasmo. Have you seen that? I think long ago. It's by the same guys, Trey mm -hmm. Parker and Matt Stone. It's about a Mormon missionary who gets wrapped up in the porn industry. In oh, LA. is that what it is? Gosh, it was so long ago. Right. So anyways, there's, you know, there's pop culture references that mm -hmm. a lot of people kind of learn what's involved. People immediately jump to special underwear and yes, the, special the golden plates. 
And how many kids are in your family? Right. Oh, yeah. and the multiple wives. Multiple wives. Yes, the polygamy. So there's a lot of hot-button issues that people immediately jump to when they think of Mormons. So Joseph Smith was eventually murdered, and Brigham Young led most Mormons to the Rocky Mountains, which is where they're still largely concentrated. In a little state we call Utah. Some people have heard of it. So, of course, the Mormons believe in the Bible, but they believe true Christianity is restored through these specific books, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price. So there are some offshoots of fundamentalist Mormonism that the mainstream Mormon church completely disavows. And they'll usually mention this when you say something about polygamy. Right. You say, oh, what about those multiple wives? They say, oh, that was a long time ago. Yes, and, but yeah, a lot of people probably know about the fundamentalist branches from shows like Big Love. Um, so what you might not know about Mormonism is that Joseph Smith and his family were known in their town for being what are called treasure hunters. And they would use these seer stones to find buried treasure. And they'd, they'd basically put a special stone in a hat and then look in the hat, hold it up over their face. And supposedly this would give them a vision. I don't know, Carrie. It and sounds like a scam. I know. It sounds unlikely, but bear with me. <laughs> they'd, they'd hold it up over their face and then uh, see this vision and go and find buried treasure for you. But did that actually work? Did they find treasure? Um, well, I know that there were some lawsuits against the Smith family. <laughs> um, but, of course, uh, Uh-oh. who's to say who was right and who was wrong in mm-hmm. those suits? Mm-hmm. Um, but treasure hunters were w- widely regarded as charlatans, and they were really common in this area. So draw your own conclusion from that, Ross. So there were some people who saw Joseph Smith translate the text and said that he wasn't looking at any stones while he did it. And they wrote that in their accounts? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So um, – You know, just a little bit of contrary evidence here. The Mormon Church recognizes one of Smith's translations, the Book of Abraham, as divine. It's an allegedly translated Egyptian writing on papyrus, but has since been shown by Egyptologists to bear no resemblance to Smith's translation. In fact, it appears to be a copy of the ordinary Egyptian Book of the Dead. So from... Most secular analyses. Outside sources. Yeah, yeah this, uh, this, uh, this comes with a green. Pretty, pretty big fistful of salt. With all this in our pocket, we yes. show up at our first meeting with our elders. That's right. And we both showed up with our Books of Mormon in hand. We did. Because I had one from Mormons coming to visit me when I lived in Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. And, and I you had mine had... from the Goodwills. Right. So. Oh, and Ross, remember... I just remembered this, how freaked out I was about what to wear because yes. I've had all these experiences now where I felt like <laughs> right? a total slut. So, and I, people are going to think now that I'm really slutty, but I'm not. Well, I what, just – What did you wear? These places I don't know what I'm supposed to wear and then uh-huh. they have the things with the women. Some kind of skirt but not too short of a skirt. Right. You know, Something just, chaste. It's so hard. It's so much easier for you. Yeah, you I'm glad. I don't have to worry about you this want, at all. But I, I have to be work. like, are my knees showing? <laughs> anyway, I think I did wear a dress. Mm. Oh, I think I wore this very nice red and white dress. I have to say that I had a little bit of hesitation because I thought, oh, well, they're always so clean cut. That mm. was my picture of the Mormons. Mm-hmm. Uh, very Stepford wivish, the equivalent Stepford husbands who are, you know, clean cut wearing ties. And mm-hmm. so I did shave that morning just to make sure I looked presentable <laughs> nice. and fit in. So, yeah, so we got to meet them at the church. Right. And we got there a little before they did the first day. Mm-hmm. And because um, we're prompt, we're prompt, and they were running a bit late for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And by they, I mean our two elders. Yes, we've never mentioned, but we change all the names on this show, except for those of our friends. Um, yeah, we we protect the innocent, right? Uh, so, so so we're going to call them um, Elder Stewart and Elder Johnson. Yes, 
you know, for the most part, they met one's expectations of how one pictures Mormons mm-hmm. to look. I was a little surprised. They didn't have black ties. They had colorful ties. Right. Very interesting, mm-hmm. I think. We sat around in the parking lot talking for a bit. They let us in there. We were already asking some questions of these two elders about kind of how they live, and they were quite mm-hmm. frank with us. We asked how long they'd been on their, their missions, mm-hmm. and uh, Elder Stewart said he was almost done. He, he had done 22 months of his two years. Whereas Elder Johnson uh, was quite new at this. He'd only been doing it for 10 weeks. 10 weeks. Yeah. And, and I have to say from the beginning, Elder Johnson, bless his heart, was so nervous. Yes, he was. We made him so scared or <laughs> he just was scared in general just, to be talking about this stuff. He, he would like visibly shake at times. Yeah. And he, he'd start a sentence and then sort of be like, I, I don't know what I was going to say. I, I don't know why I said that. I don't. I don't oh, it was so yeah. sad. At one point, he said, like, I'm, I'm just not very smart. Oh, yeah. It felt so bad. Oh. It was like, we were both like, yeah, oh, we're it's both, okay. No, we, we it's, were following. We were following. Yeah, it's all right. No, you don't need to remember every piece of scripture right off the top <laughs> right. of your head. That's yeah. okay. He uh, is very sweet. He had come from Utah. Mm-hmm. Surprise. We were talking about how one gets assigned to these missions. Right. And so we said, would well, you get to kind of put in a request for where you get to go? And, and he, he said, say, yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually kind of asked if I could go to Polynesia, but... They sent me to Los Angeles <laughs> instead. Studio City. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Yeah. And then Elder Stewart was from North Carolina. So, uh, you know, not the most exotic locations. Not only are they giving up two years of their lives to do this, they don't go to college then. You know, they put that off. Everything else in their lives. Not only are they going to some foreign place to live apart from their parents, but... They're paying the church $400 a month. A month. That's almost $10,000 in two years. For the honor. Ooh, nice math there. Thank you. So that's, you know, got to cover their living expenses and... Right, which, I mean, it sounded like they uh, shared an apartment, but um, they weren't allowed to have access to email or TV. They could call their parents, but only on Mother's Day and Christmas, I think. Right. Um, No girlfriends. No girlfriends, yeah. Yeah, they're missing out on a lot of, you know, crucial things at the ages of 18, 19, and 20, and paying money to do it. (laughs) They said that the church takes that money and kind of redistributes it to all the missionaries. There were something like 50,000 missionaries, I think they said, out Mm -hmm. in the world. And they were offering to, like, paint our houses, help us move. Like, they wanted to do anything to help us out. We're like, oh, no, we're not going to take advantage of that. But thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I think they offered to walk my dogs. And for a minute, I was like, ooh, (laughs) walk my dog. No, I can't do this. That would make for good podcasting, though. (laughs) Yeah, but I would feel... I couldn't do it. No, that'd be it. taking advantage of them. Yeah. We don't want to, but they were very sweet guys. Oh yeah, definitely. I really like these guys. I I would be friends with them in yeah, real life. Absolutely, yeah. and they opened up to us quite quickly. Except mm-hmm. they didn't tell us their first names. It's interesting, you know. They right. introduced themselves as. I remember the first time I met Mormons that came to my door, and they had the name tags, you know, mm-hmm. that say Elder Johnson. Elder, you know. Stewart. I remember going, oh, how weird. Both of you have the first name Elder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've learned a bit since then. Uh. So we should talk a bit about how they organize. They do this all geographically. They'll have these wards set up. Uh, So there's the North Hollywood ward or Studio City ward and, you know, an Encino ward and a Sherman Oaks ward. These are all towns near us. And so then they cover people within that region. But the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are consistent 
all across the church everywhere you go. Uh, it's just for organization purposes that they break it down by ward. And, and then there's stakes, which are um, larger groupings of wards. Yeah, so, like seven or eight wards yeah, make a stake. Exactly. And so these uh, elders of ours would be driving around all the time to minister to different people from all over mm-hmm. the stake. Right. Okay, but Ross. That's me. I knew from our first meeting with the elders that I was going to have trouble with with the Latter-day Saint journey. Okay, why? Because um, listeners to our podcast will know from the first two episodes that I am a real, (laughs) real big fan of hot drinks. The hot drinks. drinks. (laughs) The Mormons will not allow you to drink hot drinks. Is my favorite. Not only thing. do they not have them at the church, <laughs> right. they are forbidden. You're not even allowed. They're to strongly have them. discouraged. I and I had you know you hear that the Mormons don't drink caffeine, mm-hmm. so I just thought, oh no, big deal. Because I don't drink caffeine either. I drink decaf coffee, which right. has a tiny bit of caffeine, but I don't drink like caffeinated drinks. So I thought this was all going to be gravy, but it turns out no, no hot drinks at all. It's then, right here, Doctrine and Covenants eighty nine nine says, and again, hot drinks are not for the body or belly. Not even the belly. And that's exactly where you want them, <laughs> in I your know. belly. Well, mouth and belly. <laughs> Maybe you could, like, put it in your mouth and spit it out. Uh, and just the mouth, so you've only right. broken half the sin. Oh, right. I guess it's still the body. Yeah. Crap. Sorry. Yeah. So I was pretty disappointed about this. And then I tried to clarify, oh, you can't, oh, you can't even drink, like, tea? And they're like, oh, well, you can have hot chocolate. But we don't consider that a hot drink. So no- what do you mean you don't just consider that a hot drink? But then they said, you know, we try to steer away from anything that you could be addicted to. Right. So if you can't get up without your uh, soda. And, and as, they, as said, they were saying these things that they try to avoid, I was saying, oh, yeah, well, I already don't drink coffee. Right. I don't smoke and anything. And I was like. I don't like alcohol. Oh, balls. I love hot drinks. I mean, a lot. I drink decaf tea like every morning. I drink decaf coffee anytime I go out. Be oh. like every day is Lent for the rest of your life. You and I went to breakfast the other day, and what did I get to drink? Three of you got coffee. That's right, but the other two got caffeinated coffee like weirdos. Oh, boy. That's addictive. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Dig- yeah. Um, Digress. They asked us if we had any questions up front. And did we have any questions? What do you think? Oh, yeah, we always have questions. Uh, Oh, we couldn't stop. Like, (laughs) essentially, we hijacked the entire meeting. We really did. Oh, we didn't mean to. We weren't at all being, like, aggressive about it. No, but they were very accommodating of our questions. And, yeah, we wanted to hit on these real pertinent issues. Yeah. Clear up some misunderstandings. Maybe give Mm -hmm. them a chance to explain certain things that we had a hard time with. You know, I have friends who left the Latter-day Saint Church because they were gay. Yeah. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of talk about the young men who commit suicide. Ostracism. They turn into ostriches. (laughs) (laughs) And then they kill themselves. There's the suicidal ostrich problem. (laughs) Tell me more about that. And they gave us the same sort of thing that the missionaryonmormon.org had, which was, you know, everybody's welcome here, but we do think of homosexuality as a vice like anything else. Right, and you tried to to compare it it to something like lying. It's not illegal, but we we shouldn't condone it. Though also he did try to distance the church itself from the Proposition 8 movement, saying that individual Mormons certainly contributed a lot of money, but not the church itself. Which is a clever thing that the church did. They basically told everybody to give their money, but... Uh, so what else did we ask? Oh, they they mentioned, uh, you know, they believe in everything in moderation. And we mentioned that to them. We said, well, doesn't like that same passage of scripture also tell you, you know, only eat meat sparingly 
And uh, and <laughs> they had a really funny reaction to this. They were like, oh, yeah, you know, we do think that it should be in moderation. But but we're not vegetarians or anything. We're right. not vegetarians. Especially Elder John's. He's like, oh, no, I no, love no. meat. I love meat. I was at, t- I was at Carl's, Carl's Jr. Jr. last night. Day. And I was like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> we're like, we believe you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you had something to prove there. And then I, since I am a vegetarian, was like, um, does the church frown on vegetarians? <laughs> right. It's okay, right? <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, oh, oh no, no, well, no. Oh, no. It's We've fun. had vegan meals yeah. that were surprisingly good. We had a vegan meal last night, and it was good. We had another vegan meal, not so good. Not actually, so good. It, was, it was pretty horrible. But the but other one. one was good. <laughs> At that point, I thought I've already pushed it with the vegetarian thing. I'm not telling right. them I'm vegan. We're move just going to move on. Oh, and then, of course, I had to ask them the pressing question that um, I admit is kind of a gotcha question, but it's an important gotcha question of the intersex people. And you know, well, what does God say about them? You guys emphasize gender so much what about this third gender and do they get to get married and they were very perplexed by that question also and said you know we'll get back to you we're gonna write this down and get back mm-hmm. to you there was this wonderful moment though ross remember in our first meeting where um elder stewart said he was very hands-on yes and i thought he said well i'm very handsome and of course carrie doesn't <laughs> let him just continue with what he's saying you know he <laughs> says i'm very hands-on as he's trying to think of like an analogy uh-huh. and carrie says Oh, I just thought you said that you were very handsome. <laughs> then we all started laughing and he right. turned very red. Right. And, and I like, said, oh, he's not a bad looking yeah, guy. Yeah, then we all, we all felt like we had to then explain like, no, no, he's good looking. Not that we I'm had, gay or anything. Yeah, not not right. that there's I'm anything like, wrong with no, that. And I'm not saying that Oh, wait, that there I'm, is something wrong with that apparently, right, right. according to that. <laughs> but I won't get kicked out. It was funny. Yeah, it was good times. We were being honest you know we were saying our actual backgrounds mm-hmm. that we how had, we met each other right uh we had both had backgrounds in christianity but that we had fallen away from that and really didn't have any religious beliefs at the moment mm-hmm. so we were very honest about that and um and we told them that we are very science-minded and that we expect good rational reasons to believe something mm-hmm. and so they were all for that yeah Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's we totally we agree too. with you. Yeah, definitely. I understand you need logic and reasons to believe things. And this one caveat was that, you know, well, you know, some of these things may be a bit hard to swallow, but if you ask the Heavenly Father, he will reveal to you that it is true. Right. But the cool part, like during all of this, is that they tell us that our official role, what we are in the process of doing, is being investigators right they would tell people oh this is ross and carrie they're, they're investig- investigators <laughs> like, and we were like yeah yeah we are that's what we are that's right. totally what we are so it's cool really we didn't have to hide anything yeah or really pretend I mean, we didn't say we're doing a podcast right. about this but you know we should mention um i don't know if we ever have that we have this agreement that if anyone ever asks us a yes. probing question about this like is, is skeptical of why we're why we're there yeah and says like what are you guys doing are you from something or you know something yeah. like that that we'll be honest and we'll say any direct question we will directly answer right we won't dodge it so we don't volunteer this information because we want to have the same experience that our listeners would have if they went and did it yeah um which would not be the same if they knew we were doing a podcast we were able to be very honest with them to mm-hmm. their credit i think we were able yeah. to express a lot of our doubts and concerns yeah and and said you know that's okay and that's healthy mm-hmm. so you know Kudos to them. Yeah, you know, and I I remember even they asked us specifically, what do you think happens when we die? And, you know, most people, even if they're not religious, will give some sort of spiritual answer. Mm -hmm. Um, And we both have very not spiritual (laughs) answers to this question. And so I thought, like, I don't know about this. But we honestly said, you know, I said, like, I think 
uh, my consciousness will end when my body dies. Right. And um, tied to the I matter will, of my brain. Right. I will decay along with my body, you know. And they were like, okay. <laughs> yeah, and and I'm trying to remember when, but at certain points they would say, wow, that's that's a really interesting answer. Yeah. Uh huh. When we would give these answers yeah. that were completely contrary to any faith. Right. So I think that this was also the first time that I brought up something that I would bring up in a lot of our meetings, which was the difference between good faith and bad faith. Right. This comes up a lot, so I guess it's important to cover in any kind of talk about religion or belief or anything because people immediately jump to like philosophical doubt like, oh, how can you know anything about the world? Right. Uh, you know, you can't have any kind of certainty. Well, yeah, you can have very justified certainty based on experience, based on collective knowledge. You can then fill in those gaps in our knowledge with very justified pieces of faith. But you shouldn't have to make those big leaps. And I think that's what faith uh, provides you. It's these kind of gap fillers right. where you can act on uncertain knowledge. But you want to do that as little as possible. It shouldn't be a virtue. Right. And the bigger the gap, um, the less specific it becomes because, you know, if there's no evidence to point you in any direction in particular, then mm -hmm. why should I pick your faith over someone else's? I have no evidence in either direction. Right. It, and then it just becomes a matter of who gets to you first. Right. So, yeah, I think usually when you have those large gaps in knowledge, it's better to fill it with humility yeah. rather than faith. So we had all these, these meetings. There are actually eight classes. Oh, is that the total number? Mm -hmm. And we've done five. Five or six. Those have added up to ten and a half hours that we have spent with our elders. Right. Each uh, meeting has a different theme that is uh, dictated by these pamphlets that they give us. I'm holding one right now. I'm and holding three, four. Oh, look at you. What do you got? Which one do you have? I have tithing and fast offerings. Now, one might think a fast offering is just something you leave at the church and then you <laughs> go real quick. But no. Like a drive through offering. Right. Yeah. But no, they mean don't eat. Yes. Um, yeah, I think the first one they gave us was the restoration of the gospel of uh -huh. Jesus Christ. It's got a nice little picture of Jesus holding a lamb. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ is another one. The plan of salvation. They all have Jesus on the cover. Mm -hmm. All these paintings of him looking very serious. Right. And they're all like un unfairly simple ideas. And, and I think most of them were pretty familiar to us. They might have had like a different nuance, but we both grew up in the Christian uh, tradition. And so we were yeah. familiar with these concepts by but, and large, I think. Yeah. Once they got into the plan of salvation, that was all stuff that we were very familiar with. And we were even able to discuss some of the problems that we had always had with Christian doctrine, mainstream Christian doctrine that corresponded with Mormon beliefs. Like I said, the idea of the Trinity never really made sense to me. And me too. And they said, oh, yeah, well, actually, we don't believe in that. So that's great. Hey. And yeah. and even said, oh, that's probably you seeing back, you know, to your life before you were born on this earth and understanding that truth. Right. See, seeing it through the veil, so to speak. Yeah. Original sin. Uh, Coincidentally, Ross and I both never believed in original sin. Yeah. Well, I was mind. always uncomfortable with it, even uh -huh. if I said I believed it or the Trinity. Uh -huh. It didn't sit right. Oh, I think I actually like told my pastor I didn't believe either oh, of really? those things. Yeah. Okay. But the idea that, you know, the sins of the father are visited upon the son and that the whole idea of Adam's sin is that. <laughs> his, his, the first sin was wanting to know stuff. I know. Come how, on. How ironic is that? <laughs> like the very first sin is trying to attain knowledge. Yes. So we were like, oh, rockin'. We don't believe in either of those things. Yeah. So that worked out great. Yeah, and that's when we were able to very honestly say, oh, yeah, we're totally on board with what right. the Mormons are and saying there. I was there. like, all right, uh, maybe I can forgive them. So we, our homework was to kind of um, take these booklets home each time, 
read up on them. Mm -hmm. And like we said, we kind of hijacked the first couple meetings, really. With our questions. With all of our questions. Which they they were really good at spinning us in circles till we gave up. Yeah. On these questions. That's true. And I think they were instructed to. I don't think they were trying to be evasive. I think they had been taught, like, here's how you handle a question like this. Really? And they were, yeah. Okay. And they even said, you know, at a, a later point in our meetings that our questions had been ones that really did give them pause and mm-hmm. that they hadn't really heard before. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how well prepared they were. But, I mean, they did spin us pretty well, I must yeah. say. I think it is uh, of note that by our third meeting, they called in reinforcements. Yes. Right. <laughs> Enter Anderson. So, Ross, yes. the first day that we met Anderson, I was there before you were. And yeah. I remember it so well. The elders had told me, oh, you know, we, we brought someone who we think can answer yours and Ross's questions a little better than we can. Yeah. Because you guys have such interesting questions. And so I was like, oh, great. And they said, yeah, you know, he's he's been studying in seminary i think and um and then they said he's a professional ballroom dancer and i thought oh <laughs> see i didn't I have that wait. piece of information you didn't i got there but later. i knew i was waiting when he walked well, in i was like oh poor okay. anderson well here's where you're more observant than i am miss mm-hmm. investigator mm-hmm. because uh we came away from the meeting and you're like oh my goodness he is so gay i said really and he had a wedding ring. I said, really? Yeah, he had wedding rings on both hands. So he had as, it on his ring finger on his left and right hand. As you may all know from life experience, uh, women can spot a wedding ring from about three oh, miles away. Or you'll remember from episode one where we discussed that the guy at the Kabbalah Center. Yes, that's ring. right. Men I, do not notice this. I guess I do. On other men. He was, he was uh, very well clad and very handsome. He's a good looking guy. He's... I will readily admit that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think we could all make out with Anderson pretty easy. So he came and to. And you could tell he knew it too. You know, he had his hair very styled. Oh, yeah. And, uh, well, you know, he kind of. looker. You know, the smile. Right. Very, uh, very, very charismatic. Uh, yeah. Again, they bring in the reinforcement and he's right. like, you know, look at our glamorous guy that we've got here. He's going to dance circles around your questions. Um, he was really nice and a better dancer around the questions. Not just a better ballroom dancer, but a better question dancer. Though I I would say that his answers, they kind of shut down ours more quickly, just saying like, well, I don't know, but, Mm -hmm. you know, that's exactly the sort of things that I've been wondering about. And I can't wait to ask those when I get to heaven. Yeah. And he kept using this analogy of, you know, there's some there's some questions that like you want to study up on and you want to know the answer. And um, it's worth it to put your life into answering those questions. And there are other questions that you just put up on the shelf. The shelf, his proverbial shelf. Right. You put them up on the shelf and you grab those on the way up to heaven and you ask (laughs) God. Okay, But sometimes they would be pretty important questions. He's got a shelf. He's got a shelf sagging with a lot of weighty Mm -hmm. issues that. He's kind of putting off for a while. But, yeah, he'd finish it all up with his big winning grin. And, that you know, that's enough. If he's okay with uh, not having that question answered, well, then by gum, you don't need to answer it either. Right. So I start asking Anderson, what about intersex people? Tell him about (laughs) intersex people. I don't think he had heard of them either. Your church really emphasizes this whole boy-girl thing. Mm -hmm. So what about them? Right. Uh, They mentioned you had this question, and I forgot to look it up. I'll have it next time. And, Ross, every time we went, next time, next time, they never had it. They kept kicking the can down the street. So there were, like, some things that we're still unclear on. 
um, that they never quite cleared up. Like, we asked about this whole idea of having your own planet, which I think most people have heard of, this Mm -hmm. idea that God is just an exalted man who once lives on another planet. Now he has his own planet. We live on that planet. And if you're a good enough person, you get to be your God over another planet. And it seems like just this this infinite... Infinite regress. Yeah. It seems like a big problem, big mess. (laughs) Right. Um, And we asked them about that. But they had a handy-dandy little diagram for it, too, which is great. Uh, Oh, did they? I don't remember a diagram. Oh, I do. Uh, Well, Ross, tell us about the diagram. (laughs) This was part of one of the sessions. And after a while, after us hijacking a few of the meetings, we made sure, you know, oh, you need to be able to go through the points that you're trying to teach us. And so they started illustrating. Well, they had these little kind of cutouts that they would put on the table in front of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they would be illustrating, okay, this is your pre-mortal life. Which, Ross, I know I took pictures of those. Where can people see them? I bet if they went to Facebook. Oh, Facebook. I've heard of that. And they looked for Oh No, Ross and Carrie. Okay. They would find them there. Oh, all right. Just Sweet. a hunch. Okay. So this you know, showed that in our pre-mortal life, we were these many millions, billions of children mm-hmm. of God. and that Spirits. We were spirits, right? And we were just sitting around waiting to be born. Into this mortal coil. Indeed. And, you know, we may have been angels at that time. You know, we had a whole life then. But as we were born, we passed through a veil mm-hmm. and we forgot all of that mm-hmm. conveniently. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, we live on this earth and it is our chance to rediscover God and make the choice of how close we want to be with him and accept his salvation. Right. And then depending on how we do that, we may end up on a different level of heaven. Right. And, and uh, so some people. Uh, the people who do come to believe this. I get to inhabit the highest level of heaven, which is the celestial kingdom. The ones who are even more selected among them are the exalted. And they get to get their own planets with their wives. And this starts all over again. Notice that now we realize, oh, they're all men. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Oh, okay. The the wives are kind of accessories. But, you know, they get to kind of co- yeah, but your your uh, status of having or not having a planet is completely determined by your husband's. Of pretty course. effed up. Yeah, I know. So he better be on his best behavior <laughs> and not divorce yeah, you. Yeah, well, I mean, not just that, but he he represents your entire moral status yeah. for eternity. Absolutely, if he is tied up in someone gets it else, wrong, then you get no planet. Yeah. yeah, in fact, it's quite a lot like original sin. You're punished for the sins of your husband instead mm-hmm. of your father. And yeah, there's some of our questions that they never fully addressed. Which which brings up the point, Ross, that from the beginning we had said, okay, it's going to be more believable if Carrie kind of goes in for this hook, line, and sinker. Yes. And Ross is, is a little more hard-nosed about it because— uh, for, She was going to be the good cop. I was going to be the bad cop right. and ask all the tough questions. Right. And for better or worse, there are more women believers than male believers, so we just thought— Let's right. go with that. Um, it turns out I can't turn it off, Ross. I can't turn it off. <laughs> the exact opposite. Yeah, I'd be like, hurry, you know, <laughs> take it easy. Like, yeah, you would not let them go. And I would be like helping them come up with excuses. You would. They would they would say like Yeah, they they'd sort of like start giving a half assed answer and I'd be like, Well that doesn't make sense. And then it, you'd but jump if in. you look at it this way, and I'd help them dance around the question right. just to like, you know, come on, don't make it too hard on them. Right. If they believe, you know, something that's very untenable. Right. And then they kept talking about how smart you were every time you did that. And I was like, you're just playing your stupid little game. <laughs> so I became the good cop. Yes, you, you did. You became the bad, like very it. bitter, sour cop. <laughs> yeah, so then we started visiting the church. Um, well, Carrie and I both have very busy schedules, and it's often hard for us to make these very long meetings at the same time 
so, you know, we'd be rescheduling with them and sometimes missing a week. And so this mm-hmm. got drawn out a lot longer than your normal, you know, eight steps would go. And so um, we went to one of our meetings and all of a sudden Elder Stewart was gone. Gone. Yeah, and we were so sad because we, we really liked him and he was really more the figurehead and he really led the conversations. Right. And so now poor Elder Johnson was on his own. <laughs> the nervous one. Except now he was paired with a new missionary, Elder Hernandez. Right. From Chile. Chile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he had kind of a thick accent and he was learning the language. It had been, you know, uh, right. part of his mission to learn English. And, I mean, he had impeccable English. But, of course, for the kinds yeah. of questions that you and I asked, the poor guy was just, like, trying to think of the word for, you know, transubstantiation. Or, <laughs> <Right>. you know? <laughs> yeah, he'd, he'd get caught on certain things. But, yeah, he was doing an admirable job. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and Elder Johnson said the sweetest thing the last time we saw him. Um, he said, oh, yeah, I told um, Elder Stewart that I was going to get to see you guys tonight. And he was like, oh, man. Because <laughs> yeah. we were his favorite. I know. He missed us. Yeah. yeah and then, sweet. oh, and Elder um, Johnson also told us that night that he had only had one convert in his entire right. mission so yeah. far. Um, which he said. Was an Asian woman was yeah like a woman who had from no China who had never with right, religion at all right didn't know had never heard of God when he told us you know I've only had the one he he did seem sort of you know timid to say it right like, like oh, this is all on you guys and I can both. I can totally understand that because I remember when I was you know Christian that was a mark of uh, success you yeah know, you wanted notches on your Bible oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> to say how many people you've led to Jesus right you know it's one of those things like oh you're not officially supposed to brag about it or care about it but right right but unofficially you do. Yeah, yeah I mean which is fair you're bringing you know giving people eternal salvation you should be proud of that they're on a mission think. they're giving up two years of their lives to be bringing new people to yeah. the church I think it's probably heart-wrenching when they don't yeah so uh, clearly they were very eager for us you know to a accommodate us and they were always very accommodating but yeah we were giving them very random hours after a while they were encouraging us to come to church mm-hmm. but mormon church takes a long time <sighs> it really does ross it's three hours it's three hours if so, you go to the whole thing right so the first hour is what you would consider the service or i would consider the service um where members of the church come up and they give a little talk yeah. um there's a lot of singing there's some um, Bible reading or Book of Mormon reading. And this is very awkward singing, you know, where you've got the hymnals and – well, yeah, I had experience with that, so I was fine following right, along. Too. But, you know, everybody's kind of trying to follow along and it's just right. this disharmony. But we had to go on separate days because of our schedules. Right. Yeah, I went on Mother's Day and they had three different people talk about their mothers. Two of the three were men and they both wept during their talks. Hmm third was a little girl um, like preteen and she was just kind of like yeah my mom's really cool thank you for being so cool you've taught me so much stuff and i'm gonna sit down now (laughs) (laughs) but i noticed that both men wept and i wondered if that was sort of like a um a thing they do like something you're almost proud of like i wear Hmm. my heart on my sleeve i think so thing yeah and then after the service you go off to a class Yes, that's then the in the second class. hour. Doctrine principles, and, gospel principles, and class. they are so generous with their uh, materials. They give you yet another thick booklet called Gospel Principles. Yes, and all the classes are taught from this book, which you would think would get old after a while, but I guess it doesn't. And my class—I don't know about yours, but mine was taught by Anderson. These are all richly illustrated, by the way. Yes, mine was taught by Anderson as okay. well. He was teaching the series. Yeah. So mine was about the end times. 
Yeah, and mine was... You must uh, have been just a chapter later. Right. Mine was the millennium, which was perfect because the end of the world had just not happened the previous day. (laughs) Right, the Herald camping end of the world. Yes. My class was was quite nice. They just talked about all the signs of the end times, which, of course, you know, is a little disturbing, everyone being really happy about the world coming to an end. It's like a little creepy. It's always creepy. Yeah. They kept saying like, oh, and you know, there's all these earthquakes. Just sort of like that. You know, it's like, ugh. You know, they believe they are latter-day saints. They believe the world's about to end. Right. And I, I considered asking a question like, Okay, well, so many um, so many groups have thought that they're in the latter days and been wrong. How do we know that yeah. we're right? And I I don't know why I didn't. But I didn't. And they were laughing at Harold Camping and other people who were put they? exact dates. Yeah. yeah. Oh, silly. That's that's dumb. <laughs> yeah, that's a ridiculous. Say when Jesus is coming back, but he is. Totally. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just don't know exactly when, but very yeah. soon. Well, the third thing you go to, they divide the boys and the girls up. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to go to this part. I had an appointment, but did you go? Oh, to I it? did. I went okay. to the third hour. The men go to the priesthood meeting. So we went back into the main sanctuary. We all sat around, and I guess the, it's supposed to be like another devotional with like a lesson. This guy who was leading it wasn't very prepared. I was getting commentary from Elder Johnson, who would kind of lean over and say, Yeah, this isn't normal. He just he wasn't <laughs> ready for it. And so he was just asking them to remember like the latest council readings from the heads of the church. Already they were trying to recruit me for stuff like, oh, you might want to help clean the church, you know, all these priesthood duties. And oh man, the very first thing is they want to know your name. They want to know where you're from. Oh, which intersection? They want to know the name of your family members. And I think they want to hook you up right away if you're single too. Yes. Oh, right. They want to find that out. Yeah. And they ask you point blank, are you married? Oh, what's your wife's name? Right. What's your son's name? It's like, it's just very creepy. Like, okay, you know, you want my social security number <laughs> so after we had gone to um we had both gone to church once had i wanted class to again. i wanted to go more but seriously like you know it starts at 11 it's and a, goes till two it's a big commitment so there's like a cool lecture going on at cfi los angeles right or something else that you want to do and it's right in the middle of the day right there Although I think you can get away with just going to the first hour. I think that's the really big deal. Yeah, but they but, I would say they pressured me into even the third hour. So we went back and had another class with the elders, and um, and I think they had uh, rigged up the, uh, the confidence to ask us if we wanted to get baptized. Yeah. We had been thinking, like, you know, we want to kind of see this to completion. This is going to take a long time. And here they were accelerating it for us. Right. We're like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we do. And we had already decided, um, you know, when we first got into this, we, we hadn't even thought about getting baptized. But I think it was after our first meeting, I said, like, oh, we should do this. Like, we should become members. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we were we were ready to go. Of course, you told me after the meeting that I was stalling things because I was immediately like, well, I don't know. <laughs> Right, yeah, you're introducing more questions. It's yeah. like, just fly well, along. You're like, God damn it, Karen, it's taking long enough. But, you're like, well, I still have a hard time with it. It's like, quiet. But I had to bring up that, um, you know, we had a very small amount of faith here. You know, we weren't getting a whole lot of evidence, but um, they had mentioned that you could have right. the tiniest amount of faith. And um, and that was good enough if you were willing to get baptized and, and uh, continue to study and pray. Yeah, so and we said, told them honestly. We'd been yeah, praying. We said, yeah. And we hadn't gotten any answer. Right. We've been praying. We haven't really felt anything. We've been reading and, and not really getting a message. But um, we're interested in the things that you say. And we're happy and willing to get baptized and see if that takes us the extra step. And yeah. they were totally okay with that. 
So, Ross. Yes. We're partway through our Mormon journey. I'd say we're coming into the close here, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we haven't gotten baptized yet, so we have a little ways to go. But we've experienced a lot more than any of our other investigations oh, by far. Oh, absolutely. Hours. We spent a lot of time on this. Yeah. So, so far, on a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is something not at all creepy, like CFI Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Not at all creepy. And 10 is like and ten, a dark alley a dark alley with green with, glowing stuff. Yeah, and there's a man standing with his pants down there. Okay, that's pretty creepy. That's 10. <laughs> that's 10. How creepy would you call your Mormon experience? Oh, um, they've been very friendly, but just by the beliefs themselves and the stuff that you have to kind of take from them, I would say it's pretty high. I'd say about a 7. Oh, uh-huh. The creepiness scale, it's up there. Yeah. All right, how, how are you feeling about this? I, I, I'm not going to go quite as far, but I was thinking a six. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's still got an air of mystery also. Like mm-hmm. I still feel like I'm, I'm getting into a secret society or something. Right. They've know? been telling us a lot of the stuff, but we know that there's more. Right. And, and there's the whole thing about the temple that hasn't even really been broached very much. And they, Yeah, and they allude to these things, mm-hmm. you know, in kind of a circuitous manner. Right. On a pseudoscience rating, how would you rate the Mormons. I mean, where one is something very scientific, like the theory of evolution. Oh, that's very scientific. That's incredible. That's scientific. pretty much proven. And 10 is something like you have a blue aura, and that means that a monkey is your spirit guide. Well, I do want to say both of our elders told us they believed in evolution, or both of our first elders told us they believed in evolution, mm-hmm. um, which was heartening. They made claims to care about science. Although I don't know how well those panned out, but they did espouse it. Right. I think I'd put it pretty smack dab in the middle. You know, no, no. You know what? (laughs) Because (laughs) the claims about the afterlife are pretty big stuff here. We're talking about whether there are souls, um, whether there were souls before we came to Earth, whether there are souls when we leave Earth, what exactly happens to them. There are three stages of the celestial kingdom, Mm -hmm. all these things. Mm -hmm. Really need some backing, and and we were never told why we should believe these other than that Joseph Smith said so. Yes. So now I've talked myself out of my original <laughs> number, and I'm going to give it an eight. Okay. You know, I'm I'm also going to go to the higher end of the spectrum, and I'll add the additional reason that, you know, they were telling us about this history of the earth that is nonsense. Ah, uh, Yes. And we didn't really even get into that, but, you know, that the Jews traveled to South America, at least one lost tribe of them, and this whole invented history is just contrary to all the science that we have mm-hmm. about the indigenous people of South America. And the Garden of Eden actually existed, and it's uh, in Missouri. In Missouri. Um, God punishes people for their wickedness by darkening their skin. Yeah. Um, yeah. All sorts of... Untenable. Yeah. Just not true. Strange claims. So, okay, and so what would you give it? So I would say, I'll say 8.5. Oh! Just to edge you out. (laughs) Fair enough. All right, what about pocket drainer value? Where one is something that's not at all draining, like scotch tapes rolling your life. Mm -hmm. And 10 is, um, you know, the cult that completely swallows you whole and takes all your money. Well, I would say for what we've been doing, it's a great deal. Yes. If you get as far as we've gotten, you don't spend anything. They mm-hmm. give you a lot of free materials. Uh, they're very generous with all of that, and that printing costs money. They're generous with their time. They're willing to walk your dogs and paint your house. So <laughs> up to this point, it's a great deal. I'd yeah. give it like a two. But I know, and they've already talked about it, that they do want a significant amount of your income down the line. So I think long term, 
with Mormonism, we're looking at something more like a seven. Okay, yeah. I, I would give it even higher, I think, because, yeah. 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 Um, because even, you know, I'm thinking of some, uh, there's a particular group in town that's known for um, oh, taking, taking a lot of, of your money. And even they, when everything is added up, might not take 10% of okay. what you make. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so if you're really consistently giving 10% as you're expected to do, I think this is going to swallow as much as your rent might. It's going to well, decimate your funds. Me, but <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so I would give it like an eight. Okay. Uh, no, that's totally justified. I'll stick with seven. All that remains is to give this a rating for its danger. What, Carrie, would you say is the danger rating where one is something very not dangerous, like walking your dog just one block around the house, and ten is <laughs> drinking lead paint? Oh, that's dangerous. Now, as a heterosexual woman, um, other than the danger to my self-esteem and (laughs) intellectual life, um, I would give it like a a two. I don't think it's dangerous at all. If I were a homosexual, I would call it quite dangerous Mm. because I think that my life seriously might be in jeopardy, not from other people hurting me, but danger to myself. Yeah. Especially if I were a homosexual man who I think it is the worst of. Psychological difficulty so would you put a numeric value to that if i were a homosexual man i think i'd be much more scared i'd give it like a six okay but for my own position i give it a two clearly mormons can live happy lives but we fear that a lot of that is kind of on the surface and that there's a lot of emotional turmoil that comes with ignoring reality Right. On, on any level, and I think they ignore it on a lot of levels. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's dangerous in that sense. Yeah. But certainly no uh, fear of physical danger. So I, I would also give it somewhere around there. I'm going to say six. So, Ross, yes. uh, so far, and I know that this will probably be completely preempted by the baptismal experience. Oh, yeah. But so far, what is your favorite moment? Okay, I have a very clear favorite moment. And it was when we were finishing up with one of our meetings and Elder Stewart had already been talking about how at the beginning of his mission, he had serious doubts. And then Anderson had been talking about how he had very serious doubts all the way through his life up until his mission started in those first few months of his mission. And so they're talking about how this is a really difficult time uh, that challenges your beliefs. And so I turned to Elder Johnson. I said, well, you must be really struggling right now. Because he's at the beginning of his mission. Right. And shaking and all that. <laughs> and, and Anderson kind of left out and said, all right, this meeting's over. <laughs> And, you know, he kind of had a smile on his face, but you could tell he's like, no, no, I do not want you to introduce right. doubts into this guy's mind. Right, right, which are probably already there. Or acknowledge them. Right. Yeah. That was a pretty great moment. I love that, yeah. My favorite moment was the first awkward time I was asked to pray. Oh, yeah. Because there were a few times where they asked us to pray and we were like, oh, we're not quite ready. And we had them pray. Right. And then finally we were like, okay, we better start praying. So then you prayed. Yes. Um, and then the last time I prayed and I started, hi, God, it's me, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my favorite moment. That's good. Yeah. So, Ross, are you ready to call our elders and finally set the date that you will become a Latter-day Saint? I think I am. I think I am, too. One of the the big principles that was taught to us over and over is that if you're going to be um, – Studying any of these things, you need to be asking our Heavenly Father for guidance. Ask him honestly with an open mind and an open heart 
and he will reveal to you these truths. Right. That's their promise. Right. So before we call our elders, mm-hmm. um, this may be the only time that you will hear an on-air prayer from Ross, from Ross and, and Carrie. An exclusive. <laughs> All right. Should yeah. I pray? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I'll jump in at the end. Okay. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we've tried to learn as much as we can and read and study, and we've listened to the words of uh, the elders uh, who have been missionaries to us. And we want to know if what we're hearing about you is true. And we have a lot of natural doubts and questions, and we've tried to be as honest about those as possible. So please just, if you see fit, uh, bless this venture that we're making to be baptized into the church and maybe take that leap of faith. And Heavenly Father, you'll uh, you'll recall that um, our elders told us that we could have the tiniest faith possible and still make this jump. And I think that I can honestly say that Ross and I have the tiniest faith possible here. Yes. But <laughs> but we're willing to make the jump uh, to learn more and to get closer to your truth, if that's what it is. And if you do, you know, if you do hear this prayer and you do want to speak to us, we're all ears. Uh, We pray these things in the name of your alleged son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. So now I'm going to call our elders and tell them that we are ready to become official members of the Latter-day Saints Church. Yes. You ready? Yeah. And we're going to record it right now. Yep. It's a bit late. My half. It is late. 924. Yeah. I hope I don't wake them up. But we are on the West Coast. And they're here to serve. They're not. I mean, they're on the West Coast. It's ringing. Hey, um, this is Carrie of Ross and Carrie. Good, how are you? Good. So, I am here with Ross tonight, and we were um, studying together and, and praying, and we both kind of felt moved to call you and, um, and set a date for our baptism, if we could. Great! Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So can we can we write the third in our calendars as our baptism? Awesome! Yay! Woo-hoo. Ross is excited. <laughs> All right, cool. See you then. All right, have a good night. Bye. We're set, Ross. Yeah, Yay. all right. We got a baptism date. All right, so that's it for part one of our journey with the Mormons. So tune in next time to find out what happens when Ross and I get dunked and we officially become members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks to the Center for Inquiry, Los Angeles, for hosting us, and especially Bob Leidendorf, who goes to so much trouble to schedule us each time. And remember, the views expressed here are our own and not necessarily representative of the Center for Inquiry or its affiliates. Our producer is Ian Kramer, and our theme music is written by Brian Keith Dalton, our favorite ex-Mormon. He's also from the bafflingly popular web series, Mr. Deity, and everyone should visit MrDeity.com to experience his genius for yourself. And remember... Need to paint your house? Grab a spouse. Have your whole body doused? Go Go Mormon. Mormon!